0: Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The basis for our message is from the Gospel lesson, especially the first five verses. Jesus placing the child in the midst of the disciples, having a conversation about who is the greatest. So a story is told of Muhammad Ali. He's flying from New York to Los Angeles. And just before the flight, the attendant comes up to him and says, You need to put your seatbelt on. And he doesn't really want to put a seatbelt on. He says to the attendant, Superman doesn't need a seatbelt. The attendant thought for a moment said, well, Superman doesn't need a plane. <laughs> now, I'm now not sure that that is really true that it happened, but, but it kind of fits the character Muhammad Ali, right? The, 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 his character, he's the one that claimed that he was the greatest, right? But he's not the first nor the last to do that. And while many people claim it, many others think it, even if they don't say it. But who is the greatest? And what makes someone great? Disciples seem to have an idea, right? They come to Jesus with a question. Who's greatest in the kingdom of heaven? But their idea doesn't match our Lord's idea. And that's really what we're going to look at today. We're going to go over these first five verses and see this conversation about the greatest and recognize that not only do the disciples have a misconception of greatness, we often can have a misconception of greatness. To so go back to the beginning of the, the text, and it says, At that time, Matthew came to Jesus saying, Who is the greatest of the kingdom of heaven? Have you ever heard that idea that there is no dumb question? The disciples really test that, right? I, I mean, if you look at this question, where is this question coming from? Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Who do you think they have as an answer? Probably themselves, right? It, it comes from the idea that, first of all, Jesus chose them, Right? So they could begin to think something special about themselves. Three of them had just been on the Mount of Transfiguration and seen, seen Jesus in all of his glory. All the disciples had been sent out with the gospel and even given the power to drive out demons and heal the sick. All that stuff could easily go to your head, couldn't it? And so they're thinking about greatness in the way that the world thinks about greatness. Who's great according to the world? who's the strongest, the fastest, who has the most stuff? who has the most power, who has the most money. That's the one who is the greatest in the world. And aren't the disciples kind of falling into that very same trap? And this is a misunderstanding of greatness. And this misunderstanding plays into our human nature. Our human nature wants to think of greatness in that way. Because we want to think of ourselves as great. Putting ourselves up above others. And this is dangerous, because it gets in the way of service. It, it, it changes our view of ourselves and it changes our view of those around us. But just like the disciples have to be corrected, we also have to be corrected. Have we ever gotten those arguments when we're a kid, who's the greatest, who's the strongest? And don't we sometimes get the same idea about greatness, that it's, it's, it's who is the most independent, right? It's the one who can stand on his own two feet. Isn't that what's really promoted in our society and culture? Self-reliance. Being able to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Do everything on your own. Those are the great ones. Those are the ones who who do it really, really well. And again, there's a danger in that. A danger of pride. And it also can get in the way of serving. And again, Jesus must correct the disciples, and Jesus must correct us. And so Jesus does. In verse 2, we see that Jesus... Calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them. This is an object lesson, isn't it? The disciples are all around. They ask the question, who is the greatest? And he grabs a child and puts it in the middle. He's going to be the example for them. But for you to understand what Jesus is getting at, you have to keep in mind what the culture of the day thought about children. Children, according to scripture, are a blessing from God. They, They truly are. But also, when you look at scripture, if you look at the way that's used in the Old Testament, Children are not always seen in the best light, that, again, when you go through the Old Testament, children are often pictured as not understanding, um, unfit to rule, but but really more of an emphasis that they can't defend themselves. They're easily deceived. They're dependent. That's really at the heart of the view uh, at this period of time about children. When they look at a child, they looked at one who was completely dependent. That's what the disciples saw when they saw the child in their midst. And Jesus puts them there and they see one that's completely and totally dependent. Dependent upon others. Certainly that's not the role model that anyone would follow or anyone would go after. But that is the, the idea that Jesus is highlighting. This idea of dependence. Because Jesus continues on in the next verse saying, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Turn and become like children. Turn and become like this dependent child. This is not what the disciples expected. Notice the comparison here. They come to Jesus saying, Who is already the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? They're already talking about them being there, right? Jesus raises the question, Well, you may not ever enter it. That's quite a contrast. And Jesus says, To enter it, you must become like a child. You must humble yourself. And that's where he's going to, isn't it? And if we're going to look at greatness, who's the example? Is it not our Lord? Who's greatest in the kingdom of heaven? The real answer is the Lord, right? But when was he great? When is his greatest moment? It's when he gives up everything that the world glorifies. His greatness is in willingness to give up all the power, the honor, and the glory of the second person of the Trinity and become man. His greatness is seen in that he gives up absolutely everything that he has of earthly possessions, even life itself, to die for your sins and for my sins. His greatness is his willingness to set everything aside and then be raised from the dead. His greatness is seen in the way that he sets aside even his independence and becomes dependent upon and and, and sets himself under the will of the Heavenly Father. That's for the greatness. And that humility. And that's what he has done for us. Again, the Lord wants us to understand that we are dependent upon him. Utterly dependent upon him. We like to think of ourselves as quite independent, right? We look at all that we've done, all that we've accomplished, all that we have and all that we've gained. And we can sometimes look at that with quite a bit of pride. But where do the gifts and talents come from? Who's the one who created all those things? Who is it that we really rely upon? Is it not the Lord? The Lord is calling upon us to be dependent completely upon Him. And for us to do that, there's humility, right? That's what leads next. Verse 4. He's going to talk here about the views of ourselves, right? Whoever humbles himself like the child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Remember, the disciples asked, who's greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Well, here's the answer. The one who humbles himself like a child. Again, this is how Jesus wants to shape the disciples' view of themselves. The disciples, the world, and even ourselves sometimes think the greatest is when we are independent. But isn't Jesus telling us the exact opposite? We're the greatest when we are dependent. And we get this really bad, right? How do you feel when you need to ask for help? Or let me ask you, how willing are you to ask for help? How do you feel when you're receiving help? We have this twisted idea that we somehow are inadequate, incomplete when we ask for help, or when we need help. It's tough for us to even admit it. And yet our Lord tells us, at those moments, We are our greatest. Because again, if you think about it logically, the idea of turning to recognizing that you don't have it all, that you don't have it all together, you don't have all the answers, that you need to rely upon someone greater than yourself, and you turn to the Lord, what are you turning to? True greatness. Are you not greatest when you rely upon Him, turn to Him, and and depend upon Him? In Christ, that's where you find value. We we try to find value in our independence and doing things by ourselves, but in Christ we find our value. And this is what we're called to do. And to understand that the corollary to this is that as we turn to the Lord for help, how does the Lord answer our prayer? Is it not through the people that he places in your life? The family and friends that are there to help. Isn't that the way that God has made us and created us within a family, within the church? Is this not the way we are supposed to be? That that in our greatness we are helped by those God has given us. As we rely upon him and the gifts that he has given to us, not only our own gifts, but the gifts that others have given us. In the end we are to rely upon the Lord and rely upon the Lord through them. But one more verse this one really focuses our attention on how we view others. Jesus goes on to say, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. Jesus wants to shape the view of the disciples and their view toward others. Think about the gospel lessons we had up to this point. How have the disciples viewed those in need? The hungry people on the day when he's teaching, what do they want to do? Send them away. The woman who's begging and pleading Jesus to have mercy upon him for... Because her her child is demon-possessed. What do the disciples want to do? Send her away. They didn't see value in the ones who are in need. And, And the Lord is shaping their idea and their heart to recognize when you think about greatness, greatness is seen in our need and relying upon the Lord. And if that's true of ourselves, that's true of others also. That we see them in need, we see the greatness of them relying upon God and those around them as well. Our judgment of others is not based on what the world thinks is great. It's not based on what they can do or how they do it. And especially not based on what they can do for us. Our value and our judgment is placed upon them by seeing them the way that Christ does. Our value is seen by the recognizing their need and the opportunity that we have to provide for them. We get this all mixed up. We want to spend so much time on independence... But isn't in the end interdependence? That we are dependent upon the Lord and the Lord's given us one another to rely upon and depend on one another. Isn't that the way that God has made it and built it? That that we are to share that love. Having relied upon the Lord, each of us, we, we share the gifts that God has given us. And that's where the greatness is seen. That the greatness is seen as we rely upon the Lord and we share His gifts and receive His gifts with those around us. Again, our Lord is calling upon us to change how we view ourselves and others. We are completely dependent upon the Lord, and we lack nothing. We completely depend on the Lord, and what is it that we don't have? We have all that we need, physically, spiritually. It's all found in Him. In our humility, we recognize and realize that the Lord will continue to do this today, tomorrow, next year. Throughout eternity, we rely upon Him and trust in Him because in Him we find meaning, in Him we find purpose, in Him we find life. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, guide our hearts and minds through faith, to life everlasting.